Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back. We're brown. Hey, Mandra. Hey, Tiff. How's it going? It's going excellent, actually. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm in a good mood, even though, like, you know, everything's falling down. But, you know, hey, I mean, I'm alive. You did the whole don't tell the universe it's going good. <laughs> no, I don't know. I am in a good mood. Maybe today I had a good nap today. So when I've got a good nap day. You know, I feel like I could take on the world. And, oh, I found a tub. Oh, well, it's the little things, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Because it's hard because, you know, Superman is 6'6", six, six, so my um, plumbing starts soon. And um, my contractor's like, you really need to find a tub. But I didn't want a tub that was going to, like, because our bathroom is a good size, but it's not a huge bathroom. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a standalone tub and um, to find one that could fit him but not also, like, dwarf the bathroom. So we found one, and it's really great. And People tell you to stay away from acrylic because acrylic cracks, and there's just so many things to learn. So we got a stone stone resin tub. Have you heard of those? I did not choose our tub. Um, oh. <laughs> but yikes. I do know about, like, there's different floor materials. I don't know. I woke up in a cold sweat. This is what happens. I woke up in a cold sweat, and I was like, <gasps> our bathroom floor tile is too slippery. We're going to break an elbow. Like, we're going to slip. <laughs> we're going to break an elbow. It's going to be a whole thing. It's like my my fear is falling into, like, slipping in the bathroom, you know? And I'm like, it's too slippery, and it's too late because it's been delivered. I mean, I got over it. But I'm definitely at the stage where it, you make all these decisions. But the thing is, a project takes so long and you have so much time to like second guess yourself, which is the, I know. it's killing me. I'm like, wait, did we choose the right shower tile? Like, do we, do we really do we really need do we really need two windows there? But they're already put in the walls like it's you I know. know it is it is very, very nerve wracking because it's definitely like especially when it comes down to doing like the big things like because framing is pretty easy because literally you could be like you know what I changed my mind I want it to be a little bit bigger and they could take down the wood and put it back up but like plumbing and electric it's like uh, we're here now yeah they're starting to yeah. patch up walls now so it's getting real serious um we did we did have our we haven't had too many like oh god we found this and now it's going to cost you know so much more money to fix it um we haven't really had any of those experiences but um, we had, so we have a deck that we are expanding and I noticed there was this big patch that I was seeing cause you could see the bottom of the deck through our kitchen ceiling now. And I noticed this big patch of like dark rotted wood and I was like, oh snap, what is that? And it turned out to be a leak and it's going to cost us $1,500 extra just to patch mm-hmm. this little like two foot by two foot section of our deck, which, which sucks, but Honestly, I mean, still knock on wood because anything could happen, but um, we'll have to dip into our contingency fund f- for that, 
which makes me kind of, I feel like we started dipping into our contingency fund for things that weren't quite contingencies, but more like, mm. <laughs> I really would like a, a center light fixture. Let's um, add that to the electrical plan. Hmm. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, but like we've had like contingency fund things where I'm like, Ugh. so we're definitely using, we probably use about half our contingency fund already. I'm just like, I'm hoping because everything's open. So I'm like, well, we should be good now. Right. Because we've already seen everything. And then at one point the boiler wasn't working, but now it is. So I think we're, we're, we're rocking and rolling. My sister's already like, so can I move in? I'm like, we're not even finished renovating it. And you already want to take the spare bedroom. She's like, I want to work on my dreams. So it looks like we already have a roommate. But yeah, but things are going good. Other than that, house lot. What'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, picked up some toilets, normal stuff. Um, <laughs> got a little – I made some decisions around holiday spending. I think we're going to do – we're definitely not doing gifts for each other. But I think my siblings and I, um, since we're not going to be together this holiday season, I think we're going to end up doing the whole Secret Santa thing again and just sending each other a gift because I, I could pull the whole, I'm doing a home renovation. I don't have money for that thing, but I did just spend $50 on a toilet paper holder. So maybe I can afford to give my sister a little Christmas How present. much on a toilet paper holder? $50. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it slipped through. I don't know how it happened, but there was a long list of things and I just said, okay, okay. It slipped through. But if you think it's about so how many times we'll use it. I mean, <laughs> when you when you're like <laughs> renovating, so many things go out the window. And I guess it's like planning a wedding where you're like, I would never spend that amount of money. And then it happens. And you're like, but I mean, don't we all need a twenty five hundred dollar tub? And I was like, what am I doing with life? But anyway, but um, no, this this past weekend I did the the Texas Women's Conference. Oh, OK. So what is that? Yeah, that was. Um, well, there's a women's conference. I think it like uh, it like floats around the country. I think it goes to like five different locations, and they're pretty big. So, the the one in Texas, it's the biggest the big, biggest women's conference in Texas. It was 7,900 women, and Dr. Brene Brown, who I love, was there, and then also Reese Witherspoon. They were both keynotes. So I did a breakout session, um, just like seven ways to live a richer life, just the basics, like budgeting, credit, whatever. But there were just so many women. Honestly, it was really awesome. The energy was awesome. Usually I'm not really like someone who like loves conferences because sometimes they don't seem so useful, you know, but I have to say this is my second uh, women's conference, like with it's literally called like the women's conference. So I think the last one I did was in Pennsylvania, I think, but I like them because they really insist that you give actionable steps. So you really leave feeling like, Oh, I took this, you know, breakout session or whatever. And I left with some actionable items and steps to do. So like I said, I have to say it was, it was a really good weekend. And I got to meet this woman um, named Jessica. I'm going to mess up her last name, but she like changed my life. So she was just telling me about a, a business she owned. This is how you just never know about folks. Um, she was telling me about a business she owned that she started. It's a social enterprise. And for those of you who don't know, social enterprise is um, a business that really the it's Honegger. That's her last name. Um, it's a business that the, the, the purpose comes before the profit. So, you know, of course you want to make money, but really there's like, um, you know, like a, um, the mission is really purpose driven uh, versus profit driven. And she started this. Um, have you ever heard of Noonday Collection? No, I haven't. So she like um, um, buys jewelry from what she calls vulnerable populations. So populations where folks really don't have access to the market, but they make their they make their artisans and they make beautiful things. And 
She started it as a fundraiser because she wanted to adopt a little boy from Rwanda, her and her husband. Then the recession hit and they were in real estate. They lost everything. So they purchased some, um, I think, some jewelry from his um, village. or I think she purchased it from Uganda and she sold it to her friends and to say, hey, I'm doing this fundraiser so we can you know, bring my son home. Um, and then it started to do really well. And then her friends were like, hey, I want to sell jewelry and help people in other countries, but also make money too. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And then she was telling me how they grossed $18 million this year or last year. And I was like, wait, what? And so it just was a really, speaking with her was a really great reminder of how, like, you know, you can do good work, help good people and make good money. So that was just like the the most inspiration. I just happened to be sitting next to her and she was just sharing that there, she's also the fastest growing privately held company in direct sales. Um, and so I just thought, wow, it was just such a great example that, you know, because that's what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting to make sure that we run a company that is integrity above all else, people and purpose above profit, but it doesn't mean you don't want to make profit. So just to see that she was navigating that successfully was really inspirational. How do you feel about, I mean, I know that you're, you speak at conferences and stuff, but I wonder like our listeners, are there conferences that you guys attend like as attendees, um, like outside of stuff that you might do for work? Cause I've like, I've gotten, I just got an invite to like the world business forum in New York city, which is meant to be for business leaders to come together. And then you hear from people like Seth Godin and Ariana Huffington. And it's, it's focused. It's, it's less of like, this will help me as an editor and more, this will help me, you know, like as a leader. Um, and some of these tickets are really expensive. Like I'm, I'm getting, um, because I'm with the media, I could, you know, get a comp ticket or whatever, but like if you're out there and you're listening and you guys, like you purchase tickets for conferences, I just wonder like, what are your favorite ones? You know, um, what ones have really helped you that you would go to, um, on an annual basis? Maybe it's Essence Fest or I don't know. Um, I went to one that was hosted by Mika Brzezinski, like from uh, that show on MSNBC. Why yes. can't I think of it right now? The Know Your Worth tour. Did you speak at that tour? Yes. Okay. I did when, when it See, first came out. Yep. You make the rounds. But um, <laughs> like there were so many women at that conference. I remember Elizabeth Warren spoke. Um, she was one of the keynotes yes. at that conference. And like the, the crowd was crazy. I'm just thinking like who are these women who aren't getting free tickets, who are actually spending money to go to these conferences? Um, yeah, and I don't know. I just I'm curious if you guys email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have <laughs> a conference that you like or anything to say about conferences that have helped you or in your business or personal life. I'm just just curious. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I wonder if you were at the same one because I I was there when Elizabeth Warren spoke. So I'm like, I wonder if we were in the same room. I think we were. I, I covered it because I was a, I was at Yahoo Finance then. I was a reporter and I was doing a story on Mika's new book, Know Your, know your Value. And then she yes. tried to, she like launched it into a mini tour. Um, so I was there. I interviewed um, Hoda and I interviewed. Yes, I was there. That's so crazy Brooke that we were in the same room. Yeah, yes, I interviewed I Andre Leon Talley, who was really sweaty and hot Ooh. and See, very tall. That's the shade. <laughs> yeah, he, is, he is very, very, very yeah. tall. That is the visceral <laughs> memory I have of that interview. But No. No, that's awesome. So, yeah, because, you know, there are definitely some conferences where you're like, why did I come? Oh, yeah. Spill the tea on the ones that you didn't think were worth your time. It's also like the end of your time. And I know I'm I'm about to like deadlines or if you're if you, like leadership um, institutes or trainings out there, a lot of their deadlines are in the fall. 
I have to submit an application for a, um, I'm trying to do, last year I did a leadership institute um, for young or diverse, I think it was diverse um, editorial leaders at the Pointer Institute. And I'm doing, I'm going to apply for um, another program that's focused on women, but same, similar thing, women leaders in, in journalism. And it's through the Online News Association. Um, it's like a one-week accelerator program. And I'm going to try to keep doing at least one of these a year. And um, if your company, you know, would reimburse you for something like that, then, you know, see what see what deadlines are out there. If there's anything that interests you for 2019, because some of them have deadlines now. That's yeah. the only thing to consider. I feel like, I feel like, you know, extended learning is always you know, it's always a good thing. So if you can, you know, if you can sign up for something where you know you're actually going to take something away, I always think to myself, like, it's less to me about like the woman on the stage or the man on the stage or whoever. And I really try to um, make it my business to connect with the person sitting next to me because you never know, like, look at Jessica Hart. I'm going to say her name wrong. But you know, like, look who I met, you know, that wasn't, she just was sitting next to me, Hon, Honegger, sorry, Jessica. What? Honegger, H-O-N-E-G-G-E-R, Honegger. Mm-hmm. You just gotta leave me out here to drive. So, yeah, so, like, you know, I just think that, I think sometimes a lot of times um, when people go to conferences, they think, like, you know, or they're wanting to connect with the person that's speaking, which is obviously, you know, dope. But sometimes the people who are sitting next to you are like way doper and just turning to the left or to the right and asking questions and connecting. So yeah, I'm not a huge conference fan only because sitting sometimes, unless like the speaker is really dynamic, I get like bored easily. But, um, but when it's a really good speaker and I get some actionable things to do, then I'm all for it. Cool. Cool. What else is yeah. happening in the world? California's um, burning. Trump is tweeting. Yes, but I mean, you know, we do have the house, so there is that. But <laughs> is that your response to California's <laughs> burning? I got a house. <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean the house. I meant like the Democrats got the house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I would never say that. <laughs> Wow, Mandy. Is that I thought that was off personality. I mean, <laughs> off like, brand oh, for well, you. Well, off brand. No, I meant that like, you know, that politically yeah. there's some political change happening. <laughs> I, have, I have been on like tenterhooks. Ooh, I've never used that in a sentence. Tenterhooks. I'm so, you know, that's a good word. Because um, what's happening in Georgia right now with the, I think last week, even on the show, we talked about the election results. But at, um, Stacey Abrams and, and Brian Kemp, there's still not a declared winner. Like it's like a week later, there's not a declared winner Um, and they're recounting every single vote. And I'm just like, it's nail biting right now. Sometimes, you know, I I plug in and I see what's going on with the world. And other times I'm like, you know what? I got to plug out. I can't do I can't do it. But no, I mean, definitely the midterm election, what it it did make me excited for was to see just how many people participated. It felt like we were voting for president. Like I'd never seen that many people out for midterm. So that's always a good thing. Did you see that Starbucks is laying off 5% of its workforce? No, why? I don't know. I guess business is not booming. But that's... Are millennials killing coffee too? Because, you know, they, they blame y'all for everything. Yeah, I read a story this week that millennials are killing the pet food industry because they're shopping for fancy dog food and the bad, like the cheap stuff that like my cat ate when she, not dogs, but pets in general, the cheap stuff like what did my cat eat? Like Purina or like kibbles and bits or whatever. Like millennials are spending twice as much as they were on dog food, like the organic, you know? Yeah. Like just spending so much money now that the, yeah, the ones who make the cheap stuff aren't doing so good. 
Which seems so weird because it's like, at the same time, they're like, millennials are broke. You know, they tell you guys everything but a child of God. <laughs> when it comes to pets, people are just not, it's nonsensical. Yes. I Somebody posted in my, um, on Facebook, you know, I have the Dreamcatcher group. And um, somebody posted, you know, I'm really struggling with my finances. I'm really thinking about giving up my dog. Like, you know, like, you know, either giving it to a friend or whatever. People were livid. I couldn't believe it. I had to turn off the comments. They were like, would you give your child to your friend? And I'm like, um, <laughs> no, because said, that's a human. <laughs> I know. And it wasn't like, she wasn't saying like, I'm going to leave my dog outside, you know, and walk away. She was just like, you know, you could tell she's like, I, I obviously I, I love my dog, but it's to the point where I can't afford my life. And I'm trying to figure out what, what do I do? You know, what do you guys think? And so I just was just reminding folks, you know, to keep it kind, but you know, I mean, yeah, I had to turn off the comments because people were really angry. Oh my like God. how, yeah, how dare you even consider like leaving your dog who was clearly a human with your friend or, you know, or whatever that whatever. you know, like, like I said, it wasn't like she was going to euthanize her dog. She just was like, I just can't afford. And someone was like, well, be homeless with your dog. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Block. Block. Crazy lady. Um, so, yeah. So I just thought like, you know, people are very, very, very attached to their animals. I don't mm. have any animal. I had them as a kid. Um, I do but- in my dreams. <laughs> I don't want a dog. I, I dog nap of- in my in my imagination all the time. I'm like, I'm gonna steal that dog. I haven't though. No, personally I just feel like so many dogs are so stinky. Sorry, people with dogs. I'm sorry. I'm half my friends with dogs. I'm like, ugh. I know you all have right. a dog. You I know, I have a dog. I don't want to fight with you right now. It's the holidays almost. <laughs> let's not let's not start talking trash about dogs who are just God's gift to the world. <laughs> I mean, I can live with the um, you know, cats. I could deal. You know, but I mean, and honestly, I don't, I actually like dogs, but let's not pretend like they don't come with a little bit of odor. I mean, some of them more than others is true. Cor- everyone loves corgis. Um, they stink and they shed like a mother. Uh, I need to know though from our listeners, another, another question for the listeners, email us and tell us what is, what is like an embarrassing amount of money you spent on your pet? I know people out there who've gone to debt for their pets. They take out these credit cards to pay for their pet at the veterinarian um, and end up paying those cards off for years. No joke. So if you, I mean, this is a safe space. You can be anonymous. I want to know your pet. I want to know how much you spent on your pet and what crazy things you purchased for them. Podcast at gmail.com. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. (laughs) All right. Are we going to take some questions? I do. I have a question from an anonymous listener who is torn between two job offers. First of all, what a nice place to be. Just first and foremost. Yeah, that is a nice place. But she can't decide which is the right opportunity. So let's hear from her. She says, I'm currently evaluating two job offers. 
One is very exciting. It's with a company that I'm not sure about, though. They specialize in debt collection. The role would be in corporate philanthropy, though, which is a dream job for me. However, I don't feel like working. F- I don't feel that working for a debt collection company reflects my values. Is there anything redeeming about the debt collection industry? I think I already know the answer to this question. The other job is with a more reputable company, but it seems a bit boring, and everyone is much older than me. My husband's encouraging me to take this job because the benefits are better and he wants me to be sensible. It's hard to talk to him about finding a job I love because he's too practical. He's a work at the boring job for 30 years kind of guy. I'd love some advice. Dot, 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 dot. So what should you do? Work for the shadier company that's the perfect job for her or the more sensible company that could be boring but has good benefits? So how is the debt collection company the perfect job again? It's in corporate philanthropy, which she says is a dream job for her. If the company has a philanthropic arm, maybe they're not. I mean, she doesn't give us a name of the company at all. But I mean, not all. Yes, many, you know, a lot of debt collection, you know, firms get a bad rap. But it's, you know, it's a it's a reality in this country that we have a debt based economy, not a debt based economy, but a lot of people use debt. And some people can't pay it back. So we need to have institutions Mm -hmm. that can get it back. Some institutions are really shady about it and they break the law and they do things that are, you know, not, you know, not um, that aren't kosher, like harassing people. But some companies are just doing what they need to do. You know, they're hired to recoup debts and they're not all shady. Um, The fact that this one has a, a foundation of some kind, maybe they're one of the less shady ones. So I wonder how much research she's put into the company itself um, before deciding that like painting with a broad brush that it deals with debt collection. So it must be, you know, a terrible place. Yeah. So honestly, like, so she's not actually going to be the debt doing the debt collecting. It would just be in the philanthropy. Exactly. Um, honestly, that is hard because that whole debt collecting part. I mean, and honestly, I would look, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you looked on Glassdoor. If you haven't, you should. Um, that's where you can kind of see like what it's like, what employees say about working and take it with a grain of salt, but still, you know, it's true. It's a good idea. You you know? Um, yeah. I mean, just because it's debt collection doesn't necessarily mean they're shady, like Mandy said. And especially if you're working in a department where it's in alignment with what you want to do with your life, you might have like a one year plan there. Like I'm going to work in the philanthropy department here and then move on to another philanthropy department in a company that I feel even more comfortable with. Um, Because you have to think, my sister would always tell me when you're going from job to job, that it's a building block, that that's what you have to think about it as. And so if I'm assuming you have a foundation already. So if this is a block that you're building, if this is like a, a brick, a layer of brick that you're building on the eventual house of your ideal job and career and whatever, does this add to that foundation because it sounds like the boring company doesn't like it's not bringing you closer to where you eventually want to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So normally I'd be like, ah, oh, that collection, <sighs> you don't have to cross fingers up, <laughs> you know, like, no, don't do it. But it sounds like that the actual job itself is in alignment. So maybe I would focus on that. Personally, as a hiring manager, I review, I've probably reviewed hundreds of resumes over the last three months. Cause I've been hiring like, you know, eight or nine positions. And when I'm looking at resumes, this is my personal, um, this is how I personally do it. I know every hiring manager in industry is different. I'm looking for job title, length of employment, 
And sometimes I do focus on the employer, especially if it's like, you know, a similar company. It's nice for me to know that, you know, you have worked for a company that I recognize because I, I have a sense that you would at least fit in with our type of structure. But job title is important too. And, it, and like Tiff said, if this is the career that you want to work in corporate philanthropy, then I, as a hiring manager, I would I would just see, oh, she's got 18 months or three years of, of experience with a corporate philanthropy team. And I would weigh that a little bit more heavily versus the company itself with the caveat that if it's a if it's like one of these companies that I would recognize and I would know, oh, that's a shady, you know, I saw a story about that in the news and it's shady AF, like it might taint my judgment of you a little bit. So do some research, like hop on Google, you know, see if this debt collection company has been in the news, if there's been a ton of lawsuits um, filed by consumers yeah. who have claimed that it's been harassing them. Because at the end of the day, you do want to work for a company that you believe in um, and that makes you feel good about yourself. And if you're finding that there's a ton of red flags out there, then even though it's the right fit, you know, on paper, maybe it wouldn't be happy. Maybe you wouldn't be happy there in the long run because you wouldn't feel proud to say you work there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, like I said, I can understand like feeling that way, but at the same time, the other place doesn't sound like it serves you at all, you know? So my assumption is if your, your husband likely has the good insurance enough for the both of you, if he's the type to work at the boring job for the good insurance. So, you know, sometimes, you know, having one person in the family with the, the insurance job is, is enough. You, you get to fly if you're able. You know, everyone doesn't have that opportunity. So take it, girl, with, you know, with the, with the mindset of like, this might not be my last stop. I'm, I'm going to look to expand beyond this, but I'm leaving here with the experience to be able to move to the next, the next space. Absolutely. And even though the people at your new, at this other job may seem, oh, they're older than me and maybe they won't be as fun, but think about what their experience could do for you, what you could learn from them. And also it's, I mean, I've been in jobs where it's fun to be at a young company where everyone's around the same age and has the same, you know, beliefs and the same points of view and hangs out at the same bars. But after a while, you're like, is there a grown up in this piece? Like, can we get some direction? Um, it's nice to have people with different levels of experience. So it may not be totally negative that you're working with more seasoned people, even if it seems maybe like not the best fit for you because you might feel like on the younger side. Everyone loves mm -hmm. a young kid. Come on. I do. All They'll right. bring you food. They'll bring you food. <laughs> <laughs> that is too true. Shout out to Fran at Reader's Digest, who was my first boss, um, who used to bring this giant sandwich for us all to share <laughs> from his deli. Oh, I just had a flashback. Because I always think that the young person doesn't have any money for food, even though you're like, but I work here with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for your question. Good luck. Okay, found the next question. So this comes from listener, I guess she wants to be anonymous. I'm not seeing a name here. She wants to know, on our last episode last week, we talked about some of our favorite credit cards. I gushed about the credit card I'm using for my home renovation, the City Double Cash card, because it gives you, oh, this is something that I wanted to clarify. I said it gives you two points um, back on your spending, but it's one point when you purchase it and one point when you pay. So as long as you pay off your um, expenses that you charge to the card, you do get the two points back. But I wanted to clarify that because I forgot that was the, the caveat. Anyhow, sometimes there's so many credit card options. So this listener wants to know if she should use creditcards.com to check to search for the best credit card. She says, I currently have a Bank of America credit card with a $500 limit and I'm looking for a higher credit limit. I requested a credit increase from Bank of America and it was denied. So which credit card website should I use to find a card that gives me a higher limit? 
Well, one, did they say why they denied you? Um, do they ever do that when you get denied for a credit card? Do they say, I don't, I don't think they do. No, I, I mean, sometimes you can ask, but yeah. I mean, I, I'm just wondering, is it because your credit score is not where it ought to be? Is it because of your income? Because typically, right, they ask you, the questions they ask you when you're asking for a limit, they want to know, like, what your income is. Mm. Um, because they want to know, obviously, can you pay it back? So They need just, a reason to raise your limit out of the mm-hmm. blue. Out of the blue. Exactly. And if are, are you using your card in a way that would reflect you needing another, a higher limit? Um, you can always apply for another card someplace else and, you know, potentially get another limit, but then you're going to get the inquiries. So you have to ask yourself, is it worth losing a few points temporarily um, to open up another card? Um, knowing, that and, you she, know, knowing that she has a B of A card with a limit of just $500, I feel like we're talking to someone who's like a beginner. Yes. Someone who doesn't have a long history of credit. And it could be that you got denied because your credit history is not long enough or you've missed payments in the past, or maybe they don't see any change in your income or your credit score to justify increasing your limit. It might be best. I mean, I know that you already have a credit card. I mean, you could look into potentially, you know, getting a secured card um, to give yourself a little extra boost because they tend to right after you do right by secured card after six months to a year. So like, like um, Superman, when he got his secured card, it was 500 and then like um, after like six or eight months, something like that, he, you know, he was, he paid it off every month and was doing right by it. So then they, um, they, they, they brought him up to like a thousand and fifteen hundred. So I don't know how much you're looking for, but you're likely not going to get to like, you know, $3,000 from 500 right away because you're at 500 for a reason. Um, so yeah. you might, you know, you might look into like, like I said, getting a secured card and working it that way. To me, the best secured cards are the ones that um, are, are are given during banks, like from a bank, like because then the bank will make the secured card unsecured once you've used it properly and you don't have to like apply for another card or yeah. you just be, you know, just be patient. Like my guess and, is and- that if she's looking for a card with a higher limit, she's trying to spend more than $500. And with secured cards, you put money up front and then you kind yeah. of pay yourself back over the year. So if she's if she's wanting extra room, you have to ask yourself that too. Like, why do you want a higher credit limit? Is it is it so you can charge something that you can't afford to pay off right away? Um, and if that's the case, maybe it's better that you can't get one because, you know, when you carry a balance like that, it, it ends up being really expensive over time. Um, you don't mention what your credit score is. And if you know your credit score, that can give you a sense of what types of credit cards you can qualify for. It might even answer the question of why you might have been denied for um, a credit card increase. But a lot of there are credit cards that are more suited, that are more willing to work with people with poor credit, you know, average credit or excellent credit. Some credit cards, you know, you have to have excellent credit. They never would qualify you if you didn't. Um, But once so check your credit score. And in terms of finding a card for you, creditcards.com actually um, has a really cool tool called Card Match, which I love, and I have no problem, um, you know, uh, calling them out, shouting them out for that tool because it's awesome. You put in a couple of details, and they kind of match you with the card that can be a fit for you. So if you know your credit score, I assume they ask that. They can probably give you a sense of options for you. Just be careful applying for new credit, like Tiff said, because mm-hmm. you will get dinged for it on your credit score. Um Earlier, Tiff, you also you kind of hinted at this, like, are you are you using the card in a way that they'd want to raise your limit? And by yeah. that, you, do you mean like this happened to me? You know, I had a, I had a really 
low limit card too, but I kept get I I kept maxing it out, but then paying it off in full each month, and then they were yeah. like, "Oh, here you go, girl," and gave me more wiggle yeah. room. I was gonna say that because ultimately they're like, let's just say a five hundred dollar card and you're swiping ten dollars a month on it and paying it off in full. They're like, well, what do you need a higher limit for? You don't use it anyway. So not that you have to max it out, but using it, you know, like uh, the key is to pay it off every month, obviously, because you don't want to to carry that balance and pay that interest. But if you're not using it consistently in a way that would make them say, hey more of a limit makes sense. And and sometimes that's not necessarily true. Like for example, I've got a card that I never use and they keep bumping me up. Um, so like I'm at $30,000 now when I tell you, I hardly ever use that card and it's a bank of America card. Um, but also t- too, sometimes cards will judge you on the usage of like other things that you're doing. So I've got my, as my credit score raises bank of America was continuously increasing my credit limit. So even though I wasn't really using my card, my credit score was raising, um, and and it was reflected in that. Just like if my credit, when my credit score declined, Bank of America actually lowered my, um, because they are they're able to do so, lowered my mm-hmm. my card limit. And so just be mindful of that. It, it all comes down to the credit score and usage, if you ask me. And if what you're wanting to do is make a purchase that's higher than five hundred dollars that you know you want to carry on the card. If your credit score is good, I mean, again, check your credit score. Um, there's a bunch of free tools out there. Your Discover Scorecard is a good one. Um, if you're if you're looking to make a purchase and you want time to pay it off, maybe that Bank of America card, if it charges interest, what I'm, which I'm assuming it is, maybe if you have good credit, excellent credit, you may be able to qualify for a card with a 0% um, intro APR for purchases, which you know you can make a purchase with and then pay it off without having those interest charges up front. That's an option, maybe a better option if what you're looking for is just you know, more wiggle room so you could make a big purchase and pay it off over time. But of course, just make sure you pay it off before the promo period ends. I always Mm -hmm. feel like I'm just one asterisk after the next. But um, credit cards are an awesome tool when you use them wisely. I just like always get nervous talking about them because I'm like, please don't get into credit card debt around the holidays. It sucks. It's time for a break and a boost and a break and a boost. Are you ready to break or boost? I was born ready. <laughs> do you want to go first? Brown break or boost? I'll do first because you're going to be positive. Mine's going to be a little neggy. Um, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to lean toward positive. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll let you go first. Okay. Ooh, mystery. So I just wanted to share a stat. Actually, we had someone from my company in the office last week, someone from the executive level, and we had a really interesting, candid conversation around um, the lack of women in leadership um, at our company. And this is like a known thing at the company. And it, it was great to hear him actually acknowledging it. And he's not the first person I've heard acknowledge it. Clearly, they've been talked to by somebody. Um, and I just got an interesting, just some statistics around women um, who actually hold board seats and leadership seats um, in corporate America that I wanted to share because it's really, really depressing. And while I feel like we've made big gains, at least in representation among employees at, com- at some companies, um, it's still really difficult. And this just shows how difficult it can be to actually get to the highest levels of leadership. So this is a report by an organization called the Rising Tides. They found that only 4.32% of board seats and 4.07% of leaderships leadership seats are held by non-white women. 
They analyze the composition of boards of directors and executive leadership um, teen teams at, again, Fortune 50 companies. Um, they were scored on the placement of women, women of color, and people of comp- color on their boards of directors and leadership teams. And this this stat just really broke my little heart. And it also mm. just made me – just was really sobering um, to think that just 4% of – and we're talking like board seats and executive leadership. I mean these are the real decision makers um, in companies and the fact that there's so little progress in diversifying – at the highest levels at these major companies is, you know, I don't think we are like super surprised, but it is just uh, 4%. That's yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, the work that you do with running your team and the work that I do with running a business, that that's why it's so critical to one, be an example of what's possible, but two, to also bring women on board, you know? I hope that more companies, you know, in Silicon Valley, there was a big movement around publishing your diversity statistics. Um, and we saw like Facebook and Google and Apple, I think they all have published their diversity stats and they were even worse. I think, it, I mean, I don't know, it was some, maybe it was, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong stat, but some of these companies, like diversity was so, so low, but by publishing it, by by forcing each other to publish it, um, it almost, it it's like you can't ignore the problem. And I feel like that's yeah. the issue. It's like you, especially at a company, you know, our, you know, working for companies as I have that have hundreds of employees, it's hard for you to know just what the diversity makeup is because you you don't see everybody, you know, on a mm-hmm. continuous basis. Um, so some companies are making moves to, to improve that. But, you know, uh, you're right. I mean, we're sort of in small ways trying to, to fix that, but I'm, you know, I can only do what I can do and, and vice versa. At a certain point, you have to look to like the Mm -hmm. people, the people at this level who are largely white, they need to realize it and be, and get on board. You know, we can't do it ourselves for working from the ground up. You know, what we need is change from the top down. Yeah. To meet someplace in the middle. I agree. Exactly. I agree. Well, I just have just a quick little boost. I thought this was interesting. Forbes reported that 58% of women elected to Congress during our last midterm elections were Girl Scouts. How interesting is that? Oh, that's cute. You I know? was a Girl Scout I know. for a hot I minute. Know. <laughs> and it just basically says that, like, you know, basically, you know, Girl Scouts clearly, they, you know, they, they, they create leaders. And I just thought that that was really beautiful. So if you've ever thought about putting your girl on Girl Scouts and you think it might be in alignment, just know that, you know, leadership is a, is a clear tenant of being a Girl Scout. And I just thought that that was, you know, that was really cute, right? Yeah. Shout out to Girl Scouts. I mean, that wasn't it a record number of women elected to the house this year. Yes. Maybe it was house. I think, yeah, house or Senate, one of them, um, like dozens of women won seats across the country. And that is that's a that's a huge turning point. Like the women wave, they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then you saw like in uh, in Texas, I think it was like nineteen judge seats were up for election, and nineteen women won them. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so they, they, there's definitely strides. I mean, you can only ripple, you know, from where you are. Everyone's not going to be on the world stage, but if you ripple out where you are, you'd be surprised how far it can go. So there's hope yet. And also get your kids in Girl Scouts, like stat? (laughs) Maybe so. I mean, we couldn't afford Girl Scouts. My mom was like, yeah, no, but sounds cute. But I mean, maybe that's why I had to drop out. (laughs) My mom (laughs) never told me. She was like, yeah, girl, we don't have it anymore. 
Um, <laughs> we just never, I never joined, even though I wanted to. I wanted to do brownies. Remember brownies? I was a brownie for like a year, I think, in the first grade and then never again. Oh, you know, well, so I, that's I my sold little. My, I sold my cookies. <laughs> that's my little end of the, end of the girls, I mean, end of the, the podcast little boost. Oh, and um, our first lady, our forever first lady, her book dropped. Get I it. was about to say, I was like, I need to go because I have the audiobook waiting for me and I can't wait. It's 19 hours long. I did the yes. math. It'll take me like two weeks to get through it, but I, I really just needed to hear her voice. So I got the audiobook version. And do you see, I was just so happy that she, I did not know this, that she too had a hard time getting pregnant and had her, both her daughters via IVF. I, yeah, I did see that. I, 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 I tried so to great. avoid. Yeah, I tried to avoid spoilers, but I saw that headline. Yeah, so I just thought that that was really. I I, I was honestly really encouraged by that because I said, "Wow, that was like." I'm glad that she shared it, and she was just like, you know, as we as women, sometimes you just feel like if your body doesn't do what you feel like it should naturally do, that you've done something wrong. So it was just nice to see that, like, wow, both of her daughters. And so I'm like, yay! I start my first cycle hopefully soon, uh, within next within a month. So a cycle is just like when they take the egg and they take sperm, they put it together and they, they hopefully something happens. And so I could be pregnant within a month. I could not. Who knows? So send me your baby dust. You guys have already been doing so. Baby um, dust. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, send me the baby juices. I was like, oh, wait, that doesn't well, well, so, Baby <laughs> dust, baby juices. <laughs> you know what I mean. Good, good vibes only. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 